0: Welcome everyone, I am your host this evening, Dr. Dream, and tonight, Lessons from the Front Line, brought to you by Dream the Biggest Dream, and our topic tonight is, the key is your inner child, or we could turn the topic around a little bit and suggest that this is the key to your inner child. I just want to welcome you all to uh, this podcast this evening. We are still sort of working out a few kinks. I've got, um, if you wonder why my eyes are sort of darting all over the place, <laughs> it's because you can see me and it's always doing this. No, it's because I've got three monitors now in front of me. Um, and uh, we're just kind of uh, still in this process of embracing technology. Um, I've commented that, and this really fits into the whole inner child aspect of tonight's call, uh, that if you are find yourself to be complacent or, like, really just comfortable in the way everything's working for you, I suggest something to you, and that is you're not pushing your envelope. And it's a perfect opportunity for you to push your envelope. And so Dr. Dream, taking a page out of his own playbook, decided after five or six years of doing these um, teleconferences um, and getting awfully comfortable with the process that it was now time to – Okay, it was now time to step it up a little bit and embrace technology and bring on the live video broadcast aspect. One of the things that is particularly exciting about that is that this is, being very quiet with my papers, uh, this is the um, opportunity now for people all over the world. I've been in touch with people this week from, from Italy, from India uh, and from Pakistan that are very interested in joining this conference. Um, and I learned that today, um, like right now, it is 7.08 in the morning in India, and we may very well have um, some of my Facebook friends from India on the line right now. So. Whoever is uh, with us, whoever is watching, um, we certainly I welcome you. Namaste, my friends. I uh, do like to read the, uh, the email that, that goes out about this, the announcement. So for this week, dear Conscious Dreamers, I embraced the opportunity to be a parent chaperone for Maya's, oh, that's my daughter Maya, for her fourth grade overnight field trip this past week. And quite honestly, I had no idea what to expect. This was their first overnight field trip, and I will tell you that 30 hours later, I had learned as much about myself and my own inner child as I did about the children themselves. And this experience enabled me to focus on my own childhood and the role my inner child plays in my life today, bringing us to our topic, the key is your inner child or the key to your inner child. So this has really been a fun one. Uh, I volunteered for the field trip because I'm one of the fathers that, you know, has total control over my schedule. I'm not sure how many other of the fathers do, but it was it was easy for me. I didn't volunteer right away. Um, Maya had an interest in um, in me not being a chaperone, shall we say? <laughs> and so, um, but when the third call for male chaperones went out, um, I I absolutely stepped up and and really wanted to be part of, of this experience. Of course, Maya and I made a deal that we would pretend we didn't know each other. So, uh, I was assigned five of the 10 little boys that are in her class, uh, fourth grade, so they're, they're all about 10 years old. And um, Maya, she's in fourth grade now. She came into this uh, Waldorf school about halfway through her first grade year. And I've always been a little bit uh, envious of the mothers that know like everything about all the kids, know their personalities and this and that. But being a, a single father here, you know, doing this whole thing alone, Maya's mother is in Arizona um, and so it's just my and myself here during, during the school week and, and most of the school year, um, it's not easy for me to get around to, to the different um, activities of the, uh, of the class. So um, <clears throat> I took this opportunity and was really excited about it because I was like, okay, you know, we're going to be away 30 hours. I'm really going to get to know uh, these kids. And... It was a truly beautiful experience for me, and I have to suggest that it was more beautiful than I thought that it was going to be. It was more enriching to to who I am um, and and to my process, and uh, <clears throat> so. Let me fill in some of the blanks here. As a father of a 10-year-old girl, I feel quite in touch with what um, what it's been the first 10 years of a little girl's life. And uh, Maya and I are very close. It's been um, a beautiful journey for both of us. And so I am... Pretty much leading into this, there was an aspect, um, like the day of, of me saying, what the heck have I gotten myself into here? You know, I'm going to be one of the chaperones for the boys. I know nothing, nothing about how 10-year-old boys think, react, what goes on within them. Um, I'm like an expert on on girls. And always have been. Okay. Um, And so... It was uh, quite nice from the very beginning. We started out, uh, I should say that the the whole field trip was about California history. And so it took us through the very beginnings of California history up through um, the gold rush. And I'm not, I mean, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, which doesn't mean I know a lot about Nebraska history either, but it, um, It it means I certainly don't have a a great grip on California history. And so we started at the mission in San Juan Capistrano, and it was fascinating. There's pictures online of all of this. Uh, And then we drove about 15 miles to this camp uh, and uh, inland in the mountains. And it's it's a beautiful camp called Lazy W., and the uh, boys were assigned their cabins, and I was quite pleased to get uh, the boys that I got. Um, and the teacher, Ms. Kimberly, made a point of letting me know that uh, there was one other male chaperone that was uh, her husband. And uh, he got the boys that she thought would be maybe a little bit crazier. So that made me feel good from the get-go. Uh, <clears throat> We had some time right away to get situated in the cabins. And so um, I watched these little boys carrying, like, these huge bags. I I dare not offer to help anyone. Um, Just watching their process, watching how it all works, watching how they interact with each other. And it was at that point that I started viewing my own inner child, uh, like, sort of coming to the forefront um, in an aspect of assisting me in in this process that that I was to go through. So we get to the cabin. Everyone decides. There's um, five sets of bunk beds, and um, I get one, and they decide on the other four, and I watch that process, and I watch... um, how the dynamic is uh, between them. And I, I think back to when when I was a child, and we all have our stories about about our childhood and, and everything along those lines. And, um, I mean, I liked my childhood, it, but, but I don't recall being, like, ultra comfortable. And I thought back to 10 years old. Um, of course, I was in fourth grade also, and that was... Mrs. Danberg at Bramell Talbot in Omaha, Nebraska. And, and um, I don't know at what point I got comfortable as a human, but it certainly wasn't at 10 years old. And so I watched this in the boys, and, and, and I watched them. You know, a couple of the boys were like really meticulous about unpacking everything that. That they had, that they brought, and and telling the other boys to do the same thing and where to put things and and this and that. You start to see who are the leaders and who's not, and 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 what it takes to be comfortable. You know, like when whenever we get into a new place, it's um, I think back to my camping experiences um, at Burning Man, Lightning in a Bottle, and, and different other camping experiences, and just kind of getting everything to your comfort level. And I find that, that, that that's an aspect of my inner child that is alive and well today. It's like, what, what has me comfortable? If I could, I, I, the camera is built into the, to the laptop, but if I could move it around, you would see um, some, some crystals. You would see uh, some essential oils. Uh, there's there's different uh sound and vibration things i've got uh, i've got i've got tuning forks here um, this is my this is my inner child developing a real comfort level i I thought back to the uh summer tour of love and and what I brought and why I brought it and I started um, in the cabin as they were unpacking everything kind of looking through my stuff and and it 's like What does that mean to me, this whatever it is I brought? And I brought essential oils. I didn't bring any crystals, interestingly enough. I brought flower essences, gem essences, tuning forks. And I thought, wow, these aren't the things that, you know, I'm just going away for a night. But these are the things that give me that comfort level. These are the things that sort of allow me to embrace my inner child. And um, it, it's interesting. I mean, I've focused on my inner child before, and I've, I've done the work of, you know, healing and this and that, but um, this, this field trip gave me the opportunity to connect with, with, with how my inner child is manifest, not in ways that need healing, but but in the beautiful ways that, that my life works. Um, just, just thinking back to, to how them the, the boys were re- interacting with me um, and realizing that um, at 10 years old, you're, you're, you're working your way out of being a child, but, um, there's still aspects of, of, like for all of us, needing to feel safety and, and, and comfort. And so um, it, is, uh, it was really fun to – they were asking questions. Can, can we do this? Can we, can we uh, stay up late tonight and tell scary stories? And I thought, oh, geez, you know, I don't know. That doesn't sound like the best thing. I mean, remember, i got a 10-year-old girl. So I said, well, here's the deal. If there's any one of us that doesn't want to hear scary stories, we can't tell scary scary stories. And thank goodness, two of them immediately said, you know what, I don't really want to hear scary stories. And then I was able to slip into, I guess, my role as Dr. Dream and start to – Suggest that scary stories um, bring our energy down. And and that one of the greatest things we can do in our life experience is to raise our vibration and frequency. And so um, that was that was great. And and what I was finding was that, that they they were really listening and and paying attention to to this process. And so um, the evening went on, we had dinner, um, we did some different activities, um, and I'm not going to go through everything that happened, but um, that evening I came back, we came back to the cabin, it's pitch dark outside, we all went up to the bathrooms and brushed our teeth and everything, and I've got this amazing toothpaste that gets warm when you brush your teeth. Uh, and uh, so they got to experience that and essential oils and, and, and the tuning forks and, and they really embraced all of this, even the honey. They, a couple of them uh, didn't like the honey, um, but, but they, they really, they really liked all of this. And we decided we would have a couple of nightlights on, Uh, during the night, and they asked me if I would read to them. So, I mean, I did bring my Kindle with me, thinking I might read something on my own, and I started going through the titles, and I thought, hmm, I don't think any of this is really appropriate for uh, 10-year-olds. And then I remembered, I got 60 books on my Kindle, I remembered that I had uh, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. And so we turned out the lights, turned the... um, Uh, Nightlight on and um, I got my flashlight out and I read to them three chapters from The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland and I love reading to Maya. There is this aspect when I when I read stories to Maya that I start yawning immediately because as a child I was read to a lot to get me to fall asleep. <laughs> so there's like the Pavlov uh, response, Pavlovian response for me of like oh, okay I'm getting really tired now. Even even when I'm reading. So um, but I didn't yawn once while I was doing this, and by the time I was done, several of the boys had fallen asleep. And it was just um, a really safe, uh, comfortable environment. And, and my inner child felt this way. So we did some more activities the next day and all sorts of things. And, um, but, but when I got back and started thinking about uh, this podcast, uh, I started thinking, well, what's my topic going to be? And it came to me right away. It's, it's about the inner child. And and. Being a student of the nature of reality, my thoughts went right away to, okay, how does the inner child affect the creation of my universe, affect the creation of my outer experience of reality? And so from that time on, I've been spending, um, putting my conscious awareness on on what's happening with my inner child. So, I believe that it's different for all of us, and I've got um, here some uh, printout of the the types of inner child. And what we've got is, I'm just going to read through this because I think it's I think it's interesting, and we can we can all really relate to it. Uh, the first is the playful child. And that is the self that is, actually, I should do um, a little bit of build up to this. The inner child refers to your emotional body. Carl Jung called it the divine child. Emmett Fox called it the wonder child. Charles Whitfield called it the child within. Some psychotherapists call it the true self. Our personalities emerge as a result of our genetic code, DNA, or inherited characteristics and the environment in which we experience. Childhood is dictated by those who raise us and often causes scars that will take years to heal. To me, this is we choose our parents. We choose them knowing full well what they're going to give us in terms of an experience to grow, learn, and evolve from. Remember, we're here in form as humans to, to, to learn, to, to grow, to evolve, to, to be in the process of becoming is one of my favorite statements, to be in the process of becoming on our journey into unconditional love. But it's, it's all through our experiences. It's all through what allows us that opportunity to, to realize, that, that, that opportunity of discovery about who we really are. And uh, for the most part, our issues go back to childhood and what impacted on our emotional and physical bodies at that time. The inner child remains with us all of our lives. We are all children at heart, innocently searching for our meaning in life. I love this. And so just from hearing this, you, you start to realize the, the beautiful, important, and, and crucial role that the inner child plays for each of us as individuals. <clears throat> so the first uh, type is the playful child, that self that is naturally playful, creative, spontaneous, and fun-loving child. This self-longs to play. Many of us have forgotten how to do this without guilt or anxiety. Then as adults, we must be doing something that is worthwhile. But I will tell you, for me, having a 10-year-old daughter allows that aspect of the playful child to come out all the time. Maya is constantly saying to me, how did you get so funny? You know, and, and we look at each other all the time and we say, we really get to have a good time together. We really get to have fun. I don't know what my life would be like um, without her. Um, Eddie, you remember me uh, back in the days before uh, there was even a thought of me having a child. Um, and certainly I was a lot of fun in those days. <laughs> But um, I think it's more conscious now, certainly it's more conscious now than, uh, than it ever was. And um, I will get to this uh, aspect of uh, my parents and my own challenges in a moment. We then move on to the spoiled child, that part of us. Wants what they want and they want it now. And if they don't get what they want, they throw temper tantrums. Well, in my own childhood, uh, my father came from no money at all. Uh, my mother came from, I guess, what you could characterize, she was a single, both my parents were single children. My father, from an alcoholic mother and an emotionally detached father. And he carried the dysfunctional aspects of that um, with him in his life, although toward the end with his, um, with his terminal uh, dis-ease, he was able to kind of move through all that. Uh, my mother, an only child, my grandfather came from no money at all and built <clears throat> a, uh, an ad agency. And um, so she had a really fortunate upbringing and she absolutely uh, worshipped her father. But through all of that, I was not um, spoiled. Um, when I look back on my life, my childhood, um, I, and I think this came more from my father, but I always felt really fortunate for what I had and not to expect it. And my, my father, as I grew older, that was one of the things that I realized my father had instilled in us. So I don't recall this aspect of being the spoiled child. Uh, The neglected child, the child self that was always left alone without much nurturing and love. They don't believe they are lovable or worthwhile. They don't know how to love. They are depressed and want to cry. Now, In my own experience, I didn't get the unconditional love that I truly wanted, desired, possibly needed from my parents. Um, There were people there. um, You know, we had a housekeeper, Bernice, that was with us for years. Um, And uh, she was an amazing woman. Um, They gave us so much love. And from the time I was born, I have a brother who's two and a half years older. From the time he was born, um, actually from the time he was six months old, there there was a woman, a registered nurse named Irene Walsh, born in 1899. Um, And she took care of us. We never used the word nanny. We called her our babysitter. But um, my parents traveled a lot. She would stay with us. Um they would go out a lot entertaining and this and that and she would be there. She is truly no. um <clears throat> she's truly the woman that um that taught me the most about about unconditional love. Um She was what I would refer to as a, a wellspring of unconditional love, um, so much so that, that when my parents would get back and if she didn't stay over at the house and she went home, I would get up at 1, 2, or 3 in the morning and go check her room and see if at, at our house or the room she stayed in and see if she was still there and if she wasn't, um, I have memories of of looking out at the den window uh, off into the distance uh, in Omaha, wishing that she was there because of that tremendous connection that I had with her. Wow. I didn't really even know I'd be talking about her tonight. Um, she uh, She transitioned in... 2003 at the age of 104, and uh, I went back to Omaha. I was the only one from my family that went back. I spoke at her service and was um, one of the pallbearers. Amazing, amazing woman, and anyone that uh, that that has tapped into me and and has anyone that I've been in a relationship and friends and anyone else that uh, is touched by the the wellspring of love that that I've been able to tap into, um, can uh, send a little prayer out to Annie Walsh, uh, thanking her for having such an impact on me that allows me to have the impact that I have in this life. Whoa, okay. Uh, the next is the abandoned child. This child's self has been left in some way, like divorce or adoption, or just because the parents were kept busy working. They're always fearful that they will be abandoned again and again. This part of the self is starving for extra attention and reassurance that they are safe and okay. This self is very lonely. It was a product of divorce. Um, my parents decided to get divorced uh, when I was 13, it was um, not the easiest time for me, but I guess I'm grateful that it happened a little bit later. <clears throat> I learned a lot um, from their divorce. It was nasty and ugly, and, and um, it was dividing for me as a child. Uh, something I would have preferred not to have gone through, although we do choose our parents, and that's exactly what I needed to go through to become who it is I came here to be. When Krista's mother and I, I mean, uh, Maya's, well, brilliant. Maya's mother and I decided uh, to get divorced, I was 13 when my parents got divorced. But when when Maya's mother and I decided to get divorced, um, things hadn't been good for a while. And and it was very, we just said, okay, you know, let's get divorced. we're like, okay, we'll get divorced. And the very next thing we talked about was she came from a, a very uncomfortable divorce also. Krista did. And so the very next thing we talked about was how we were going to handle it. Um, And, you know, it was like, okay, well, we can both be the victim and blame each other and shred anything that we've ever had together and trash it and have that negative impact on our daughter, or we can make it all good. Of course, our company at the time was called It's All Good. And we decided right then that, that we would make it all good. I so honor Maya's mother. And to this day, I have such tremendous love and respect for who she is, the role she's played in my life, and the amazing mother uh, that she's been to Maya. Uh. Okay, moving on. Let's see. The fearful child. This part has been overly criticized when they were small. Now they are anxious and are in panic much of the time. They need lots of encouragement and positive affirmations. So um, that really did not so much apply to me. Uh, The unbonded child. This inner child never learns to be close to anyone. They are isolated. Uh, intimacy feels alien and scary, trust is a basic issue. Again, this, um, because of Annie Walsh and the others in my life, this um, this didn't, didn't touch into my life. The discounted child, this is a part of the self that was ignored and treated as though they did not exist. They don't believe in themselves and need lots of love to assist and support them. I mean, as I'm reading these, and there's one more, I'm feeling like, you know, possibly for all of us, and you can kind of um, chime in, and, and Lisa, you just did. I'm um, all of these kids. I think there's an aspect of us in all of these. Certainly, I'm feeling that way about myself. And um, so this is, and let me read the last one uh, The spiritual child. This part of the self searches for answers from higher realms, the final. Results of healing the inner child is balance within oneself and being able to give and receive love. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So this podcast tonight, the title is The Inner Child. What is the title? I want to get it right. The Key is Your Inner Child and the key to your inner child. And so as I read read these inner child types, I see, um, uh, you know, that you're in the chat, you're relating uh, to this, and I started to relate that, that I'm actually all of these, although some played a bigger role. I think then the next step is, as you're observing who you are in your life, as you are observing how your life is unfolding and what's going on inside of you, you can, you can say, Oh, this is the way I'm acting right now or the way I'm being. This is connected to the abandoned child, the one that's starving for extra attention and reassurance that they're safe and okay. Um, this self is very lonely. That's, that's a part of me I'm feeling right now. And, and so to use this, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this whole worrying of like healing the inner child. That means there that there's something wrong with the inner child. Um, I, I don't really resonate to that. It's It's more about being connected to your inner child or children as it is. I know that there are times when something comes up and – and I will sit and be quiet, and I will um, embrace my inner five-year-old. Um, I've done work with people where we, we identify that, you know, this is the inner eight-year-old that, that needs this because of that particular experience or how how you how that person felt um at eight years old in school and, and alienated and they're still carrying that with them. And so it's not about it's not about healing so much as it is about being observant and and what I call connecting the dots. And so, you know, I mean the affirmation could very well be that my inner child is alive and well within me and I honor him. Not, oh, my inner child, I've got to heal my inner child. I don't really believe uh, that that's it. So it, um, <clears throat> it's an interesting process for us to go through. In our unconditional love activations and the different work that I do, I talk about um, self-observation is the path to transformation. And so taking in this work of being aware of your divine child, Being aware of the child within, of your true self, is is a really important aspect of, of what's going on. I often say that on some level, we're creating, attracting, manifesting everything that happens in our life. Some levels are easier to get to than others. But I want to suggest to you that this... Just recognition and honoring and respecting of our individual inner child allows us to take it to levels that maybe we haven't taken it to before. And so when you're feeling emotionally triggered, when you're hurt, upset by something, remember it's never about what's happening in the outer experience of reality. It's all meant to bring it back to yourself. And then to ask yourself possibly, which, which child is this within me? Which experience is this? On, on what level am I creating this from? I had yesterday... Um, a really beautiful, amazing phone call with um, a new friend from Burning Man this year. Someone that was at one of the activations and um, I saw this person release so much, tears, everything and, and uh, this person works my 21 day program and um, I had a call with with them yesterday, and they are dealing with the dynamic of a relationship, and it wasn't a scheduled call, it just came about, and it connected me with some of the most beautiful aspects of what our lives are about, and it directly related to the inner child, wanting to find love, of wanting to be connected, of having a partner, and what that means for this person. And then what I watched was, and what I, what was expressed and shared with me was them going through this this tremendous experience of elation about being so fully ready to step into this relationship with the other person. Casting off everything. And the, the, the love that they felt inside, what this meant to them. And then the fear came up. Then the um, was expressed to me about um, it, it's requiring me to be vulnerable. I'm taking a risk. And this energy in itself had this person pulling back. And I said that it's not, take, it's not about that. I mean, taking a risk is, is not stepping fully into the relationship stepping fully into the relationship is casting risk aside and, and, and being fully in a place of unconditional love. They said, but I could get hurt. Since you only can get hurt if you believe you can get hurt. Nobody can hurt you. You allow yourself to get hurt. This is what you came here for. And literally in the call, I felt this this person's energy like rising up. It was so amazingly beautiful for me. And it's so tied into their inner child and, and what was going on. But it was some great reminders. And so I just wanted to bring it up and and share that with you this evening. I do like that affirmation that I said before. My inner child is alive and well and I honor and respect him. Just something nice maybe to think about before you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning before you start your day as you're placing your order with the universe, and how self-observation really is the path to transformation, and how well do you know what's going on inside you? How well are you connected to what it is within you that is creating your outer experience of reality? Is it your inner self, your inner child? that you need to connect with more fully, to embrace. These are questions that only you can answer, but I believe that it gives us all something really nice to focus on, step into, and uh, incorporate in our process of becoming on our journey into unconditional love. That's it for the topic specifically tonight. Um, I would like to touch on a couple more things. The tour of love, tour of love. (laughs) The tour of love is alive and well and moving into A very exciting fall and uh, winter leg. Uh, November 6th in Long Beach at the Leaders Causing Leaders Conference, there will be over 100 speakers and presenters, including um, Mark Victor Hansen, Stephen Covey, Guru Singh, Naruka, um, Naseem Harriman, Dr. Dream, uh, Raul, Rosilas, Al Diaz, and so many more. Uh, Also, Jason Mraz will be there. That's November 6th and 7th. If you are interested in attending, I have a a discount code for the tickets. I believe it gets you a 15% discount. Contact me um, through one of the websites. Touroflove.com is the best. You can see the schedule as we know it now. We are also uh, then the following week in Las Vegas, and that would be November 12, 13, and 14. And then, very exciting, uh, I was raised in Omaha, Nebraska, and on November 18th, I will go back to Omaha, and on the 19th, do a two-hour session called Create Reality Now, Practical Tools and Techniques for Creating the Life of Your Dreams. On the 20th, it will be uh, an unconditional love activation. On the 21st, there is a giant party, not giant, uh, but there's a big party in Denver that I'll be going to with the band Something Underground. Take a look at this band. Uh, They are exceptional. And on Monday, there'll be a small Monday, the 22nd of November, there will be a... uh, Small, intimate gathering in Boulder uh, with Dr. Dream. And on the 23rd at uh, the Something Underground Warehouse in Denver, there will be an unconditional love activation. Very exciting. That leads me to November 27th. I'll be doing a private activation here in Orange County uh, for a person who has been to an unconditional love activation of mine and actively works the 21-day program. And she's having her 40th birthday with 30 to 50 people and is bringing in to do an unconditional love activation. What an amazing experience that will be for all of us. And then December 3rd, I will be doing um, following a trance dance in Ventura, California. Uh, On December 4th, we'll be doing an event in Ventura. And then uh, on December 5th, We'll be doing probably a hundred-person unconditional love activation at the Working Artists Ventura uh, location. That's very exciting for me. Uh, this all comes from Anders Gustafson from uh, Ventura, who I met at Burning Man, who was so touched by what we do. Uh, he has really stepped up to uh, to assist us getting this out there. On December 11th, we'll be in San Francisco doing a shamanic activation, unconditional love activation, but very much in the shamanic realm. And uh, the 10th and 12th of December, it looks like Santa Cruz and Santa Rosa. Uh, 17th and 18th, we're looking at San Diego and Orange County, and that takes us pretty much to the end of the year because the next two weekends are Christmas and New Year's. So this is big. We're doing in January four islands in Hawaii, February Japan, going actually right from Hawaii. Uh, We'll be touring most all of 2011, except for the four months that we will be doing a reality TV show here in Southern California. And uh, we start doing some filming for that show this weekend, uh, Monday and, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday and Monday in Santa Barbara. Stay tuned for more details. Now, I just so honor you all being here. I realize that um, it's not as interactive uh, as it normally is, but I'm going to go ahead and um, unmute the phone line. And then we're going to back into this, get off the Bluetooth. Beautiful, without hanging up on speaker phones and see how this whole process works. You can also make comments on the chat window, and I'll go ahead and, and read that for people that are seeing this. Um, this is your opportunity to uh, communicate anything that serves the highest good of all of us that are here now or that will ever watch this broadcast or listen to. Um, to the audio version of the podcast. Does anyone have anything either on the chat or um, on the call member? This is my most favorite of all. This is my most favorite of all. All right. I love that. <laughs> right. I love that uh, it was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate that. Go ahead and turn off your volume on the other, um, just so it doesn't uh, continue like this repeating cycle. um, I tried to hear myself. Oh, I see. Want me to turn off the computer? Oh, no, I've got to tell you that uh, my good friend, Tawny from Los Angeles, chimes in. I'm so incredibly grateful to you. Lots of love. Uh, I'm so pleased that you are here, my dear. And uh, Barbara says, just love the whole topic. Uh, Barbara, who has turned in, uh, Barbara and I met last year on Facebook, December 21st, or actually a little bit before that. And she is now off to New York City for the next part of uh, her adventure. Uh, Chris, here in Laguna Niguel, says, profoundly touching, Mark And uh, says thank you. And so uh, that's lovely. Anyone else have anything? Anyone else anything? Okay. I do realize that it's just a little bit uh, interesting going from the video and the the teleconferencing. I do believe at some point we will. the teleconference part and just do the video broadcast, Um, I would like it if you would send me some feedback on all of this. Eddie, I know you said I've got to get the microphone thing set up so the shuffling of papers uh, isn't so intense on the microphone. Um, And I know that um, uh, someone else was having troubles with the audio, but I, I would love your feedback on how all this works. Okay, enough of all this. At this time, I would like to really just thank each of you. Uh, I, I do this because, I've said it before, I, I mean, this is what my life is about. Um, but you know, it wouldn't really work very well if you all didn't show up, and um, several of you have uh, shown up in more ways than, than being on the video broadcast or the, the teleconference. Um, we've had informal uh, fun time together. We've had formal sessions uh, together, but it is all of our energy that will create, that is creating the change that we all wish to see in the world. I am just so fortunate and full of so much gratitude to be able to be of a consciousness and awareness to play my part. And it's not the universe allowing me to play my part. It's me allowing me to play my part. And it's you embracing my role in all of this. So I thank you so much. I have just tremendous love. Last week, around this time, I was um, in a little bit of a state of stress um, with all of this going on. And tonight, I'm comfortable with it. Not so comfortable that we're going to embrace new technology anytime soon, other than what we're already doing, but I am comfortable with it. And I just send out so much love and respect to each of you. Thank you so much. Um, A number of you and others call me during the week, call me during the nights and things like that. I am available for you. Area code 928-254-9449. That's my cell phone. And, um, that's, uh, that's there. Uh, again, look at touroflove.com. All the links, phone numbers, the upcoming events, uh, are all on there. Um, Denver is coming up the weekend or the, during the week. It's the 21st of November to the 23rd. And we have one other feedback here from my good, dear friend, Kay Cherie. Um, And she sang, just truly enjoyed the topic. And so I love you all. Thank you so much for being here. And um, spread that love that we all have within us. Um, I know I've got my wellspring of love available for everyone. And uh, my inner child knows exactly where it came from. And it's all here for each of you. Much love and thank you for being on the call tonight.